Today we are concluding a very long sermon series through the book of Acts, and we are reading here what took place after Paul's arrest. He has been sent to Rome to stand trial, and the Apostle Paul finds himself before his brothers of Judaism. He has shared with them his perspective, his point of view, how he has come to be in Rome standing trial, and he says to them, it is because of the hope of Israel that I stand trial here today. So I want to pick up in verse 23 of Acts chapter 28. After Paul talks to a small group of his fellow Jews, he comes back to speak to an even larger group. We read that in verse 23 of Acts 28. It says, They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. And Paul continues in verse 28, Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house, And welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Inquire, you may exit. And at this time, we invite all of our kiddos who are participating in our Kingdom Kids ministry to head to the foyer. That's for those who are four years old through second grade. And it's an opportunity for them to worship and learn at their level. You heard us talk about the education building earlier. It is one of our most used spaces, and that is where they're heading now, is over to our education building next door. And that's where parents you're going to want to go by and pick them up after service today. That's an important step. Don't forget about that. Go pick up those kiddos, but they're going to have a great time over there. So I've been trying to plot out the end of this sermon series before I leave on sabbatical. And so for those who are part of our church family, you're already kind of aware of this. Some of you may not be that starting tomorrow, I will be going on an eight week sabbatical. And so my family and I will not be worshiping with you and I won't be in my role as pastor for the, for that time. We have uh, made contingency plans and all of that. You can actually, I posted all of this online. So if you ever want to kind of see How's the church handling sabbatical? Who's preaching this Sunday? Go to fbckennedy.org slash 
sabbatical. And if you don't know how to spell that, you can Google it. That's how I figure out how to spell every other word. It's very helpful. And uh, even if you uh, just go to the website, it scrolls through some pictures, and there's a summer calendar is the first picture you'll see. The second picture we'll see will be about sabbatical, and you can click on that picture. It'll take you to that same site, and you can see all that information. But I shared with you a couple weeks ago that I was working on a, a prayer list or a prayer guide for you. If you would be so willing to pray for myself and my family, uh, Marsha's doing Kingdom Kids today and got all the kids over there today, so that's where she's at. But um, if you would be willing to pray for us, you'll see on this very colorful page, it had the slides from our education building remodel. This is an insert that should have been in your bulletin. On the back side, you'll see a prayer guide. And so I've got my Marsha, who's my wife, listed first on down through all the kiddos and then myself and then Sundays and then any day. So if you are so inclined to pray for us, you can see there things you can pray for. Members of our family can pray for each day, things you can pray for us each day, and we would be so very, very grateful. And uh, one last note on that is please don't be offended if you call and I don't get your message or if you text and I don't respond or if you email and I don't reply. I'm not checking any of that, okay? So if you need anything, make sure you just touch base with one of our one of our staff, just call the office or email the office. All the information is on the back of your bulletin, and we have plenty of help there for anybody that needs it. And we would be grateful if you would reach out and let our church staff minister to you. So the book of Acts, before we dive into this, actually let me give a, a short introduction for the book of Acts, and then I want to dive in. The book of Acts is telling the story of the church after Jesus' ascension. Jesus, of course, rose from the dead. He gave marching orders to his disciples, get this good news out there. And they did. Before they did that, he ascended. He went to be with the Father. And as he did, he sent down the Holy Spirit to enable the disciples, the apostles, to do that work that Jesus had called them to do, to get the good news out there. And one of the guys that, that God called, Jesus himself actually appeared to him on his road to persecute Christians. He was a very religious Jewish person who believed that the preaching of Jesus was a sect, just like we saw in Acts 28, that these Jew, Jewish folks in Rome that Paul is talking to, they saw, they saw Jesus and his followers the way as a sect, meaning that they, that they taught things that were contrary to the Old Testament, though they did not. They taught things that fulfilled the Old Testament. Nevertheless, that's what was going on. And Paul was one of those who made sure that Christians paid for preaching for Jesus. But he meets Jesus on the way to Damascus to persecute more Christians. Jesus, he's, he's called not only into a relationship with Jesus, but then he is called to do exactly what the Christians whom he's persecuted were doing. He is called to preach Jesus, to share the good news of Jesus to Jew and Gentile alike, Jewish folks being the ancestors of Abraham and Gentiles being pretty much everybody else in the world, okay? And so Paul did that. He took several missionary journeys to go out and share the good news about Jesus. And a time came where he went back to Jerusalem where he had spent a lot of years in training and in ministry. He went back knowing that trouble awaited him 
in Jerusalem, but he knew God had called him to go there. And in fact, trouble was there. He's arrested. He is sent. He is put on trial. He appeals as a Roman citizen. He appeals to Caesar so that he might go stand trial in what was almost like a kind of Supreme Court of the day. But but he he had the opportunity to go and not only stand trial, but he had the opportunity to go all the way to Rome, kind of the center of the world, or it was the center of the world, and to tell people about Jesus. We've read the story. He had some trouble along the way. God brought him through. He lands, and he makes his way to Rome. On the way, he's meeting brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ who are encouraging him. He gets there, and he does what he often does when he gets to a city. He begins to talk to his fellow Jews about Jesus, and he's, he's trying to persuade them. <clears throat> he's showing them from the Old Testament scriptures. Here's where it talked about Jesus. He's fulfilling these promises of the Old Testament. And now we find that he has come to a place where he has begun to open up his rented home. He's under house arrest, but he's able to have visitors and guests. We find out from one of the letters he wrote while he was in prison in Rome that even some of the guards would come to believe in Jesus. The ones who witnessed him every day, living life, sharing Christ, writing letters of encouragement to the church during those two years in Roman imprisonment. They witnessed that and they came to faith in Jesus. Now what happens at the end of the story, Acts 28 doesn't tell us, but we know from history most likely what happened. Paul was released from prison, only to be arrested again a short time later, stand trial, be found guilty, and have a capital punishment probably by beheading. But he saw the end of his life, and he said, for me to die is gain. If I give up my life in pursuit of fulfilling the call of Jesus on my life, that's a good thing. So Paul's a very remarkable man, and from this last portion of Acts 28, I think we have some things we can learn together. So that's my introduction. <laughs> it's going to go faster from there. Don't worry, all right? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, you have spoken through those who wrote it. Your Holy Spirit inspired people like Luke, who wrote, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and, and wrote Acts. And Paul, who wrote so many letters of the New Testament, your Holy Spirit spoke to them, gave them a message, not only for the folks of their time, believer and unbeliever alike, but for us. So God, we come to your word grateful that you, that you have provided for us, not just stories, but truth, truth about who you are, who we are. And how Christ has come to rescue us. So I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be, would just fill up this room. You would speak to us. You, you would enable us to hear a word from you, not a word from me. But we would hear from you and we would leave changed because we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, when I was... Um, a teenager, one of the things that the cool kids did, and of course everybody wants to be a cool kid, is you got the largest speakers and the largest amp possible to put in the trunk of your car. How many of you ever did that when you were 
Maybe some of you, a few of you, some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but a few of you. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Matt. Got a few, Josh. Yeah. And so all your extra money would go towards a very loud sound system in your car, and that's how you became cool. Okay? All right? And the whole objective was is to play your music as loud as possible. Like, if your music was loud enough to help you digest your food, you knew you had hit the right, you know, decibel level, okay? And so if you went on a 30-minute drive and got out of the car and had to go to the bathroom, you knew your sound system was operating correctly. That's how loud you would want it, right? Well, I wish I could go back to myself when I was 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever, and say, you know, this, this is fun now, but there will come a day where you have to watch TV with captions on all the time or you can't understand anything that's happening. There will come a time where when more than one person talks, you won't be able to understand either of them because you can't make out all the words that are being said. So I wish I could go back and tell myself, this is a bad idea. You know, you don't need all those speakers. It's loud enough. See, I'm becoming an old man, y'all. It's no fun to get to get to that point. But I realize now that that all of that loudness damaged my hearing. But there is an upside to it. I can also use that damaged hearing to be selective in listening. Maybe you have tried this before. This can actually be a very helpful tool. Oh, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that it was my turn to vacuum or sweep or do the dishes or whatever it is. That selective hearing thing can come in really, really handy, okay? Way back when, there was a guy named Isaiah, and he was a prophet in the Old Testament. And Isaiah was given a call by God. In fact, Isaiah answers the call. Isaiah chapter 6. Then I heard the voice of the Lord in verse 8. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I, Isaiah, said, here I am. Send me. Now here's the tough thing is that Isaiah was sent with a message people wouldn't listen to. They were either hard of hearing or they were selective in their listening, but Isaiah was sent to a people whom God would say, listen, they're going to be ever hearing but never understanding, ever seeing but never perceiving. Their hearts are going to be calloused, their ears made dull, their eyes closed. Does that sound familiar? We just read it in Acts 28. So if it doesn't sound familiar, you tuned out. You practice that selective listening thing or that hard of hearing thing because we just read it in Acts 28. This is the same passage in Isaiah 6 that Jesus would, would quote to the Pharisees, which was another religious sect or another sect of Judaism, very religious. That's the group that Paul actually came from. And he says to them, the same thing that, I, that God said, this is your assignment, Isaiah. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. And now we read in Acts 28, it's the same thing that Paul is saying to his fellow Jews in Rome. Whether you're hard of hearing or you're selective in your listening, they weren't getting the message. They didn't want to hear the message. We find ourselves in the same situation, I think. 
God has, given the, God has given the role of his disciples to get the message out there, to share the good news of Jesus. And in Acts 28, we read Paul not only talking about Jesus, but talking about Jesus' kingdom. He says this kingdom is going to be expanding. And Paul is calling his fellow Jews, help with this. Embrace this. Believe this. Get this word out there. Share this good news, which is what gospel literally means. It's good news. Get this good news out there about the kingdom. And Jesus, during his time, he would say, listen, the kingdom of God, it's like a mustard seed. It starts as a small little thing, and that's exactly what we saw in Acts. Small little group of disciples. But it's going to get planted in the ground, it's going to get watered, it's going to sprout, and it's going to become a tree so big that it's going to give shade and it's going to give plenty of space for birds to come and perch. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's expanding. It's growing. It's advancing. It's moving forward. And this is what Paul's doing. He's out there actively advancing, helping to grow and watering the soil, preparing the soil, planting the seeds so that the kingdom of God might move forward. And he says to his fellow Jews, are you listening? Do you see this? Are you embracing this? Are you ready to live this? Some were, and some were not. Those who did, they were Acts 29 Christians. They're the Christians that continued this mission and began in Acts 1. And we read the end in Acts 28 with Paul continuing to share boldly. Those who listened and embraced continued the work. They were Acts 29 Christians. This is, this is how we are Christians today is that they continued the work. They heard, they listened, they embraced, they saw, and they helped. God used them to help advance the kingdom of God. To move forward and share the good news of Jesus with their world. We are here today, as, if you're a Christian, you are here today. Because they did not have a calloused heart towards God. But were soft in heart towards God. And they said, when they heard, I believe. When they saw, they perceived the truth. In their hearts, they received it. And with their feet, they went out and lived it and took the gospel of Jesus with them wherever they went. This is really kind of the story of the end of Acts, is that no matter what, no matter the opposition, Paul found opposition throughout his life, throughout his missionary work, he found opposition to the gospel. No matter the opposition, no matter the circumstances, we've read about it, his being abandoned at sea and shipwrecked and all of that, no matter the circumstance, no matter any of that, the gospel continued to advance. If there, if, there is a, if there is a message at the end of Acts 28, it's that the gospel continues to be advanced. It continues to march forward. But if there is a question and at the end of Acts 28 is, will we march along with it or will we choose to stay behind? Will we choose, like some of the Jewish folks that Paul is preaching to, to believe and embrace, to see to perceive, to hear, to receive? Will we be like them? Will we be Acts 29 Christians that continue to 
proclaim the good news of Jesus? Or will we be like some of the others whose ears are closed, eyes are closed, heart is calloused? So if there's a question to Acts 28, it's as the gospel marches on, as the kingdom of God advances, will we be those who keep in step or will we be those who are left behind? If we are to be those who keep in step, there are some things that Paul says that I think is really important. He talks about the kingdom of God. This is language that's kind of lost on us a little bit, right? Uh, we're not always, uh, we don't think in terms of kingdom and kingdoms, or, or kings and kingdoms. But it is the world in which the gospel is coming up in, and it's not too hard for us to think about. I mean, if you have a kingdom, there is a king, in it, and that king is sovereign over his kingdom, right? So when Jesus comes preaching the kingdom of God, and when Paul picks up that message and we see him talking about in Acts 28, the kingdom of God, when that's occurring, what they're talking about is there is a sovereignty of God over his kingdom, and you're either in that or not in that. So what it means to march along with God as the gospel advances, as the kingdom of God advances, that means that we are living our life under the sovereign rule of Jesus. What the Jewish folks are rejecting is Jesus as king of their life. What they're rejecting is Jesus being in charge of their life. If you want to march on with the gospel as it moves forward, it means submitting yourselves to the king of God's kingdom, Jesus. It means to put him at the center of your life. It's, it is to make him more important than anything. It's to make him the boss. Over every area of your life is to put him in charge of your life. If you are an Acts 29 Christian, it necessitates, it requires that you and I put Christ on the throne of our heart. But we don't have to choose that. We can choose to be the king of our life. We can choose our own little kingdom. We can try to be sovereign over our own life. Paul uses a word here from the prophet Isaiah to explain the condition of the heart of those who would be left behind as the kingdom of God advances. He says in verse 27, for the, this people's heart has become calloused. That's the NIV. If you don't have the New International Version it's going to have some different words there, and I want to be a little participatory. You tell me, what does the word there say? For the people, for this people's heart has become calloused. If you have a different translation, it's going to use a different word. Somebody share, what's that different word there? Dull, D-U-L-L, dull. -L -L, dull. It has grown, your heart has grown dull. Anybody else? Say again. Hard of heart. You know what the literal Greek translation of that is? Fatty. It's kind of strange. What does he mean? Well, they knew. They knew what it was to take apart the heart or take apart an animal and see the heart and see, you know, th this heart is healthy. This heart is covered in fat. This heart is clear and it can beat strongly and the blood can course through. And this heart 
is covered in uh, fatty uh, tissue, and, and it, it can't beat regular. It can't pump that blood through the heart. It's clogged up. What Isaiah was saying, what Jesus was saying, what Paul is saying is that we can have a clogged heart. Here's what's, here's what's the amazing thing. Isaiah was talking to God's people. Jesus was talking to God's people. Paul was talking to God's people. Don't hear that and think that's for those who reject Jesus. Maybe. Maybe it's for you and me. Maybe it's a challenge to examine our own hearts and ask, are we clogged up? Are our hearts clogged towards the Lord? Can he get through? Do we hear from him? Do, do we feel conviction of sin? Do we feel the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Do we sense when God says no and we say okay? Or when he says yes and we say thank you? Do we sense, are we dull? Are we hard of heart? He is not talking to the Gentiles, the heathens, those who know nothing of God. Isaiah, Jesus, Paul, talking to folks in their day like I'm talking to us today. Are our hearts clogged so that we do not hear from God? If we are going to be an Acts 29 kind of Christian that continues to live and proclaim the good news of Jesus, then our hearts need to be unclogged. Hearts need to be receptive and willing to receive from God. One of the hardest things is, is that willingness to say, you know what, I'm climbing down off this throne. I'm not going to be in charge of my life. I'm going to let Jesus rule and reign in me. And when we say no to that again and again, our hearts get clogged up. If we want to be Acts 29 Christians, if we want to be those who advance the good news of Jesus, and the challenge of this passage is to free our hearts of all the things that would impede the work of God in us. Here's the really good news, I think, is that it's grace. You may hear me say that and say, well, you need to get serious about X, Y, and Z. You need to have a plan. You need to have a to-do list. You need to have a checklist. All this stuff you need to do. If I went to the doctor and the doctor said, looks like you got some fatty tissue around your heart, here's what we need to do. Here's your diet. Here's your exercise plan. Here's all the things you need to do. But in terms of being right with God, it's grace. It's not what you can do. It's not by your own effort. Whether you're a Christian or not, it all begins with approaching God, asking for his grace. And coming to the realization that he has provided it for you. Now one thing kingdoms have in uh, common is if you're going to have a kingdom, what are you going to need to protect the people in it? You're going to need a wall all the way around that's sturdy, right? You're going to have a kingdom and you're going to protect the people in it, you need a wall. But people have to come and go, so you need a gate, which means you control access to that kingdom. When we approach God, when we approach his kingdom, we need access. We need to be let in. 
And this is what differentiates Christianity from all other religions. All other religions say your heart's clogged towards God. is keeping you out of the kingdom of God. Let's put you on a regimen to get your heart right. So that when you approach that gate into the kingdom of God, you can say, look, I've got a clean bill of health. Let me in, please. I've earned my right into the kingdom. That is not how Christianity works. And it's different than all other religions. It's different. You don't get in because you've purchased your ticket by good works. You get in by the grace of God. That Jesus stands at that gate and says, we're going to let this guy in. I know he doesn't deserve to be there. We all know. But, listen, I bought his ticket for him. I purchased his citizenship into this kingdom. I know, I know what she has done, what she has thought, what she has said. But that's not the basis with which I'm going to allow her into this kingdom. I have bought her ticket for her. I have purchased it for her. I have been enough for her. Him and her, you and me. This is the good news of the kingdom. As even as our hearts are hard and callous, if we come to God, He will unclog. He will soften. He will turn. He will open our ears. He will open our eyes. He will help us to be Acts 29 Christians. So the way I see it, as it often does, it leaves us with those who are in and those who are not. If you are in this kingdom already, you know you are saved by grace. But maybe you've been holding back. Maybe there's been some things that have kept you from living out the faith that God has called you to. I would encourage you to turn to the Lord and share that with him. There is no sin great, so great, as to repel the grace of God in your life. Let me tell you, in fact, the only way you won't receive the grace of God is if you don't ask for it. It's the only way. So if that's you, Christian, and you want to be that Acts 29 Christian, you want to be like Paul, you want to give your life to advance the mission in the, in the cause of Christ in the world. You want to relinquish that, that, that uh, place of authority in your life that you've taken up that belongs to Jesus. Just talk to him. He will hear you. He will help you. Unclog that heart. That's one group. But then we may have here this morning, either watching on Facebook or here in the sanctuary, where you have not made that decision yet to dethrone yourself and place Christ at the center of your life. Just understand you don't get into this kingdom by being good. You don't need to come to church with a perfect record of attendance for so long before you become a Christian. You don't need to read your Bible. You don't need to do almost anything other than to come to God and ask for the grace that Jesus has purchased for you on the cross. That's it. What comes after that? 
all the things that we know should come after that to help us to grow in the Lord. We don't want to set all that aside. We don't want to neglect the assembly of God. We don't want to neglect coming together to study his word and to worship. We don't want to neglect serving the Lord. We don't want to neglect any of that. We don't want, we don't want to neglect reading God's word or praying. No, we don't want to set any of that aside. Just understand that that is what helps you grow in your relationship with the Lord, but it's not what gets you into a relationship with the Lord. That's how you operate within the kingdom of God as a citizen of the kingdom. But that's not what punches your ticket into that kingdom. And even as you are doing that, it is God's grace at work helping you to grow. Talk to him about that. Come to that point where you're willing to say, I believe. Cast yourself on the mercy of God and you will find that he is indeed merciful. In fact, he is gracious and kind. He's patient. He's loving. We see all that. It's a perfect picture of Jesus. That's who God is because Jesus is God, representing to us who God is, perfect and loving, inviting all who would come to come, that we might be healed, as the prophet said. So whoever you are, wherever you find yourself, I pray God that has spoken, God has spoken to you, and as we come to a time of invitation in just a moment, that we would respond to the Lord. That after I pray, I'm going to come down front, and if you want prayer, I invite you to come, and I'd love to pray with you down here. But you can talk to the Lord wherever you are. But my great encouragement to you is, do not leave this place without doing so. Wherever you find yourself, don't leave without talking to God about what he has spoken to you today.